Hello and welcome to another episode of Stories from the Crisper Drawer. This is episode 5, which is recorded on April 20th, so, you know, 420, which is why the name of this one is The Devil Lettuce Plays the Dreamcast. <laughs> Seriously, we're making that joke, even though I don't, uh, I do not partake in marijuana. <laughs> it's legal up here now, so <laughs> technically could and wouldn't get into the, wouldn't get in any trouble. Just don't really own the place, uh, own my house to smoke it in, so... You know, not going to really make anybody angry by doing something stupid like that. Anyway, let's go on. Um, we've got not too much to talk about today. First of all, we're going to do a follow-up of the election. So the uh, Alberta provincial election is all said and done. It happened on April 16th, so now it's all done. And then we're going to quickly fly into some more media stuff, games and media, and what the hell is going on in the world sort of shit. And, you know, we'll just we'll just see where we go from there. But first of all... Let us get up on the soapbox and talk about the April 16th election in Alberta for the provincial legislature. So, just over 71% of the of the registered voters um, voted in this election, so it was like 1.7 plus million people voted. 700,000 people voted in the early polls the week prior to which is quite amazing. Um, usually a lot of early voting means that people are dissatisfied with the situation. And at the end of it, it turns out that the United Conservative Party got 51.4% of the popular vote out of 77.1% of the registered voters in Alberta. That's a considerable... Uh, I mean, it's not the majority of the voters in Alberta, but it's a good... That's like an v- extremely high turnout, Um Seems like our elections have been actually getting higher in the last few decade in the last decade, but that's that's good. More people um, using their using their ability to vote and be heard and franchise, and you know, <laughs> use suffrage the way they're supposed to be. Like your universal right to vote, well, not universal, but like your Canadian right as a Canadian citizen to vote in Canadian elections. It was good. Um, it's good to see a high voter turnout because there are a lot of things to talk about. So right now, the United Conservative Party, which won that election hands down, with 51% of the popular vote, uh, got 63 seats. This is still unofficial because they only finished the counting as of Friday, uh, April 19th. And they got 63 seats of the 87 seats in total of the uh, Alberta legislature. They really, really, really took a shellacking to uh, the... NDP and Rachel Notley. And now Jason Kenney is now the Premier of Alberta going forward. <coughs> anyway, the main thing I want to talk about was not the election. In itself. I plan to have done a live stream. I wanted to do a live stream, but I didn't buy, get in around uh, I didn't get around to buying A, the equipment I needed, so I didn't have a system like, I would have just used a cheap webcam, but I wanted to get, like, a proper webcam, plug it into my computer, get my uh, board properly talking to my computer, and maybe even get a... Uh, and I wanted to get a video capture card, because I wanted to play video games while doing so. Now, it was a Tuesday night, and I luckily didn't have much to do on the Wednesday. But I didn't think we were going to get the election called in, like, 40 minutes. And they did. They practically called it. Like, it was just very quick. Polls ended... Polls closed around, uh, what was it, like, 8 o'clock, and by, like, 9 o'clock, it was... The United Conservative Party majority at 60-plus seats. I'm like, that's extremely quick. Um, I mean, it, it, counting here in Alberta has been pretty fast, and I think a lot of the systems were interesting. Like, um, 
but still, a lot of the that seven hundred thousand ballots had to be all uh, taken back to Edmonton to be counted because the, the, you could vote anywhere in that case. I think during the election day you had to go to your registered polling places, but if you, I think in the uh, the prior to you could go anywhere. Now, because the election's over, I'm not spreading false information about that because that's that's what I heard. Maybe you could vote anywhere during the election day and the advance polls the week uh, prior to the election day. I'm not 100% sure about that, but hey, that system seemed to work because we got 71% of the population out to vote, which is pretty positive. Now, the reason I'm getting up on this soapbox and talking is because I don't like it when the NDP people or the NDP supporters go all, oh, there's going to be a lot of hate mongering here, and we've we elected in a uh, you know Jason Kenney, who's a hateful person who's going to harm the LGBTQ women and all this and major- minorities and religious groups that we don't uh, that we support. Now I don't like that hyperbole. At the same time, I don't like the hyperbole that's uh, going to come out of the conservatives' mouths. But like, hey, we've won, get in freaking line. We're in charge now. And people are like, ah, oh, see, I told you Kenny was going to win and all this. We, we can't have that. What we can have is somebody comes to the table who's an NDP supporter and say, I am very concerned about Jason Kenny's past and what he's said about the, uh, you know, about the LGBTQ groups and women and stuff like that. And I and I would say, okay, let's let's go find a conservative who knows him, and let's have a meaningful discussion about this. Maybe he's changed his ways. People can evolve over time. Maybe he hasn't, but maybe he doesn't take his personal ideas like that and and put them into provincial or federal law. I don't know. Only time will tell on that. So this is what I'm saying: is I don't think either group should get up on a soapbox and yell, "Oh, we won," or "Oh, you guys are going to be hateful bigots." And I think. The more disappointing thing about the NDP, the people who support the NDP who lost about how quickly they were to lash out about Alberta, Alberta elected hateful people. It's like if 51% of 71% of the population um, voted for this, voted for, um, so it, that's, uh, let's see, it's about 800,000 of the uh, 2.6 thousand registered uh, so 800,000 of 2.6 million registered Alberta voters voted for Jason Kenney, and only 1.7 thousand came out to actually vote. Uh, it's that's right. It's like 850 plus thousand voted for him for his party. Um, and you know, maybe maybe some people are voting more on their district, voting more for the people in their area. Maybe they think that uh, the guy uh, you know who represents their their riding. Uh, I think that's the term they use for provincial. Maybe they're better, uh, better people, and maybe they don't all agree. But local parties don't always agree. Now, I grant you the Canadian system is much more hardline than the U.S., where uh, in the U.S., the two political parties, the Democrats and Republicans, that you can vote independently of how the party line is, just you're more likely going to vote on the party line. In Alberta, in Canada, in our... Um, democratic uh, monarchy that we have where the queen is the head of state but we have a, a legislature and a parliament that is democratically elected as well as civic elections and uh, councils and stuff like that there is some political part of that that remains um that remains like it's pretty weird and pretty rare for a a mla or an mp to vote against this party and more often than not that can mean being removed from the caucus and becoming an independent or having to join another political party or possibly crossing the aisle. 
And I think that's a little... Uh, I wish it would change. I wish that they would vote more for their their constituency versus being with the party. Because there's no party that represents everybody effectively or represents every constituency effectively. Like There's going to be parties that spend more time caring about farms than they do about the city and vice versa and various instances in the city. Some are going to care about healthcare. Some are going to care about education. Some are going to care about the ability to pay for roads or the ability to say, hey, we don't need to be in that industry or that sector anymore. So it's it's it just feels wrong to me about how some NDP people uh, supporters and specifically two of my uh, Facebook friends. I haven't been physical like I haven't been physical friends with them for a while. I haven't seen them in probably about three or four to five years. Some of them even longer. How they just were like, oh, the hate is winning out, and just like there are a lot of things in this world that concern me and. Your immediate attempt to, to vilify anyone who had an opposing point of view of you is, is more damaging. Now, granted, I've done this too. I've called people who support the NDP socialists in the past. And I am, as a libertarian, I don't like any form of government. So even conservatives uh, irk me in this matter because, you know, if Kenny shrinks government, that's great. If he doesn't, or he shrinks certain sectors, but he expands other sectors, I'm going to be like, well, you really didn't succeed in the goal there. Like, I want you out of the way, not correcting uh, your believed injustices in the system to defend what you think versus prioritizing what other people think. This is how I'm coming down on it. And and I also think that uh, the whole blame one group, like, oh, the hateful people have voted in, uh, or, you know, trying to still some people down. No. Uh, to single voter issues. Now, there are some people who are absolutely single-issue uh, voters. There are absolutely are. It's like, I don't like the NDP. That's the only reason why I'm voting for Kenny. Or or I think Notley is a bad person. That's the only reason I vote for Kenny. Maybe they read the uh, party platform, and there's only one part they actually agree with. It's like, I, I you know, Jason Kenny is a, b- a bit of a dick, but I do like his, uh, his stance on the oil sands, so that's the only reason I'm going to vote for him. And it comes to a point where eventually you're really cutting yourself down to what you defend and what you, you as the individual believe is important. And this is this is the problem with me. Like, I, I voted UCP because, frankly, where I live, um, there wasn't any option. There's no libertarian candidate running. And, frankly, even though um, the UCP, the United Conservative Party, the NDP, the, Na- the New Democratic Party, the Liberal Party, the Alberta Party, the F- Conservative Freedom Party, the the Liberal, uh, no, the uh, Alberta Independence Party, and various other groups, there were many parties attempted to run. Only two of them have seats. The UCP, which has 63, and Rachel Notley, who has, uh, Rachel Notley's NDP, who has the rest, who has the other 25 seats. So that's a pretty, pretty, pretty big shift. Is it 25? Yeah, it's 25, because that would, no, it's 24, because uh, it's 87 seats, so 60, yeah, that's right, 24. So it's it's actually pretty um, interesting how other parties were wiped out of the legislature. Now, granted, most of them formed because people were separating from the uh, UCP while Rose whole uh, conservative while Rose thing, and they didn't like how they were getting together. Then you had Derek Philbrandt and his uh, Freedom Conservative Party trying to run, and like uh, I think over half of the entire ridings or or um, designated areas that you could do this uh, uh, where you could run candidates and it, it was interesting and I 
there was the fear of bl- vote splitting, which obviously didn't happen. Now, granted, with eight hundred, with seven hundred thousand people voting early, that's a sign that something's wrong. People don't go out of their way to vote early, and vote in that numbers unless they disagree with the government, or they think that something is incredibly wrong in how the the uh, province is going. And I don't know if this is going to be an indicator of what's going to happen in the federal election the later this year, which that one I will be streaming. I will figure out a way how to take that day off and do something really funny or take the next day off and run at night and do some stuff. I'm, I'll definitely think of a way to do that. Of course, I'm putting promises out here, and I haven't been that successful on achieving those recently. But um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. And the other reason I want to talk about this and get my soapbox is I don't like how we've gone from one side of the spectrum to the other side of the spectrum, at least in all, in Canadian spectrum. Like, really, the Canadian center is more liberal than the American center and, uh, you know, all this. But, but th- my fear is that we're going to continuously see this swing back and forth, back and forth. There's not going to be a lot of middle ground. It's going to be pretty much like we're picking extreme sides and maybe we and probably we don't think like the voters and us don't think that we're picking extreme sides we're just tired of this happened so let's go the exact opposite way maybe the thing is is that going right didn't work going left didn't work maybe it's time to see like hey is there an intersection in the middle that we haven't tried where maybe things will get better maybe we need to call get together and talk about this instead of yelling at each other yelling you're sir you're you're socialists you're bigots bigots and all that shit maybe we need to fucking give that up and it's just it's it's annoying and it was annoying in this election about how much the campaigning was really attacking like either attacking Rachel Notley or Notley attacking Kenny it wasn't about like hey here's um the guy who's running in your ward uh you're writing here's what he thinks versus this is what this guy it's like the leaders were all it was now, granted, the American system of voting for the individual is uh, like voting for your representative and your senator and all that stuff. That does look like it's a bit more of a brutal of a campaign. Like, do this, do this. I, he did that. And maybe I don't want that. Maybe maybe yelling only about the party leaders is the better way, but it still feels like so disingenuous and such a failure of politics. Like, it's just... Like, you know, strip everything down to somebody said something bad 10 years ago. That's what we're going to run with. Oh, somebody's a socialist. We're going to run that. Oh, somebody doesn't like, uh, you know, has has a personal uh, disagreement with the way that gays live their lifestyle, but he has not legislated on it. Granted, I can't say that about Jason Kenney because there is some evidence that he's done things in the past. Does he? Does that hold up today? I don't know. Was he elected to be the prime, premier of Alberta purely for economic reasons? And will those reasons actually pan out the way we think? I don't know. And I think the, the big thing is people can't say they know. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Maybe the NDP were right in how they were running Alberta. Maybe the UCP will be right. Again, this is the thing. But Notley, Rachel Notley and her, her and the NDP party had four years to come up with a plan to execute it, uh, you know, carry it out, and convince the population that this was the right way for Alberta. And after four years, on April 16th, 2019, 71% of Alberta voted. And they weren't happy with what they voted on. They weren't happy with the plan that Rachel Notley and her ADP had laid out in front of them. In very And the majority of the province, winning most of the ridings. That, to me, says that that plan did not sell as well as it should have. 
or there was not, or it failed to live up to expectations. And if you fail to live up to expectations, are you going to be, are the people who hired you to meet that expectation going to keep you around? Probably not. Now, was the UCP the next best option? Maybe, maybe in some places they weren't. Maybe we're going into the American system where it really is only two parties that care. I, mean, I would have liked to have seen David Kahn, um, the leader of the conservative party, I mean the liberal party, sorry, Mr. David. Um, I would have liked to have seen him in more places held up. Like I read his platform that him and the previous uh, liberal party leader, David uh, Swan, who um, used to be Mount- Mountain View... Uh, who used to be in the, uh, who used to be, um, you know, the uh, representative for around the University of Calgary, and I believe Mountain View, I think in the old time, before they re-gerrymandered the districts and ridings, he he would have been uh, the, I don't know if he would have been where I am today, or if he would have been, he's probably the next one over. Um, but it's just like, some of their platform, I, I absolutely disagree with them. Like, you know, we need we need to have um, equal representation in, of uh, gender in, of uh, male versus female in the parliament. It's like, why? Why do we need to have equal? We, the idea of that proportionality is basic is basing the assumption that as many men and women both want to be politicians, and I don't know if that's true. I don't want to be a politician. So does that mean by me not wanting to be a politician, there's at least another, there's a girl out there who doesn't want to be a politician with me? Or does it mean if if 60% of the males don't want to be politicians, does that mean that 60% of the females don't want to be politicians? Can't, Can't we just go to the individual? Can't we just approach the individual and say, hey, do you want to be a politician or not? Who cares about uh, if you're gay, straight, male, female? It's like, who do you want to be? And how can you live that life? And can you live that life without harming somebody else by doing so? And if you can, great. Live that life. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Try to make it the best life you possibly can. I mean, that's the libertarianism in me. It's like, I I don't care if you're gay, trans, or whatever. I care when you try to force me to abide by rules I disagree with. By using legislative force and coercive force of the government. Yeah, I, I, my stance is I'm not going to call you by a by a pronoun that you've come up with because you think I should and I have no idea. I don't know you. Why am I going to follow your pronouns? The only reason I'll care about like why I should is if you use the force of law on me. If I meet you and you say, well, I prefer to be called this, and I'm going to if I respond back, well, are you going to sue me or use uh, the force of government to make me say that? And if you say no, it's like, okay. Well, we'll, we can discuss if I want to call you that or not. Just like they can discuss if they want to call me, me, my name, or want to call me a fucking (laughs) dirtbag. Until they, until they commit an act of, uh, like, slander and libel, I guess, like, and, you know, harm me from living my life without me harming them. Like, once it becomes stepping on each other's rights of the ability to live, uh, in a free way, then you get involved. Then it's like, okay, I have to, I have to really say you're being a bit of a dick here. But if they just say like, okay, I, I, you know, I prefer to be called this, but 
you know, it's it's not like I'm going to use the police force to do it. Because again, this comes back to another thing. Um, and now I'm I'm ranting a little bit farther out. I will bring this back in. But the rant is is that when when citizenry votes in people who create uh, laws, regulations, and rules that seem to be directed at the opposing side. So let's say you're a uh, a left of center person who bel- likes the idea of uh, maybe gender should be uh, g- the gender pronoun thing should have le- legal um, uh, sh- should have uh, legal standings and uh, the course of government to force people into abiding by them. Now, granted, I, I, I'm I'm going to uh, extend this by saying that this is also like there are set definitions, and you have to know the person. Uh, it can't just be like, oh, I I'm I identify as Zer uh, today, and nobody knows that. So if anyone calls me that, I'm offended, and I'm going to call them. It's like no, these people you have to have interacted with and have to understand, and it has to be uh, people who are not calling you this. You have to prove that they're doing it out of a hateful malice to harm you you specifically it's not like oh i just disagree with that it's like no 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 i'm doing this just to make sure that your life shit then i think you could get uh that's that's where my framework is on this like law which i i don't know if one exists like that or not in canada i hope i hope not because that brings a chilling effect to speech anyway so that law gets created the other side then comes in takes wins an election takes power they could use the framework of that law to replay it on you in a way that you did not like. And which is why the libertarian position is try not to make laws because eventually the other side will try to use your framework that you built. And, and to be honest, both, both extremes use the same damn framework with the same damn goal. It just it looks slightly differently in the long run. Communism and fascism end up doing the exact same thing with the state being the absolute power over everything. I don't know why people don't understand that. Like, communism is this great idea, but it's never been successfully implemented out. It's like, well, if it has never been successfully implemented out over multiple times, from the Soviet Union in, to China to Cuba to Venezuela to Cambodia to Vietnam, like, if it allows, if we have a lot of failure stories about a system, doesn't that really tell you that there's, like, flaws in the system? It's like, well, it's because the, you know, it's... As uh, Jordan Peterson said, it's like, oh, they, you know, they, they, those people weren't as virtuous as I am. And if I was if I was in stolen shoes, it would have been better. It's like, that's really, really, really egotistical and dangerous. Because that type of belief really does put you above people. And when you try to elevate yourself that high and becoming more, like, I wouldn't say deifying yourself. Like, you're not becoming a deity, but saying, like, I am beyond the regular people. I, I have the moral fortitude to properly rule. It's like, power is very destructive to anybody and it happens very quickly like once you get into a position of power and you think i can abuse it like even if you don't even intentionally plan to abuse it you do everybody sort of does and which is why the goal the goal of a uh good governing structure is to actually restrain the government more than the government can restrain the citizenry and i said i'm going to bring this around and i am going to figure out how to bring this around but my thing is I don't want the UCP side doing this vengeance campaign or the UCP supporters going and gloating around. I also don't want the NDP supporters uh, flying off the handle and saying we're hateful. Like the people who voted for the UCP are hateful bigots. And I hate how it could be down to a libertarian like myself just literally voting for the lesser of two evils. 
I think the UCP party is slightly like, and I hate using the word evil. I think they're uh, less encroaching on civil rights of the citizenry of Alberta than the NDP are. Not by much, but I think they've got a better. Uh, I think the party has system has the uh, UCP party has a better way to solve that problem going forward. Plus, they have like, um, I think like their their fundamentals are a little more a little less moral and a little little less based in this idea of um, I don't want to say a little less moral. Um, how am I going to s- describe this? I'm just quickly thinking about this because this, I didn't write down in the script today. Uh, there's things in the script, and this is going off of it. Uh, how I would say is that they have a they're less concerned about the virtue virtue signaling, and that sounds like I'm being SJW, but they're they're more concerned about the uh, you know conservatives are generally seen as more right center uh, right. And their goal is to actually um, eliminate the government from being too progressive and too changey and and defending too. Uh, I wouldn't say defending, but it, um, uh, platforming um, maybe over uh, platforming and over representing groups that maybe aren't as big as they need to be, um, or affecting the way how things are by basically making choices now uh, of which groups to support. Now, granted, the conservatives will do such do a similar thing, but it may not be in the similar scale. It may not be a racial scale. It may be by a economic reason, like, oh, you're, you're an econ- your person's economics is more about you defend the, uh, you know, uh, you know, you don't, you're opposed to the oil thing, so you may not get as much economic uh, freedom in the long run, or maybe we'll make choices based on, like, defending the oil stri- infrastructure here in Alberta. They they all have their biases and biases and how they approach this. And it's it's just being honest and saying that we're, we're all flawed in this and we need to talk about we need to t- talk these things over. Like I want a nuclear power plant here in Alberta. Alberta. I want two nuclear power plants here in Alberta. There was an extremely good article uh, in the New York Times a few, like two weeks back about how nuclear power will really save the planet. We're not going to do it with solar panels. We're not going to do it with wind. We there's the places that you can do it with geothermal and, and uh, hydroelectric have done it. They've we've tapped that out. We've tapped those resources out almost as much as we can. Um, there's no way to fully replace oil quickly without causing either massive economic damage to many countries, which will bring about uh, worse issues in the long run, and. Like to decarbonize, we have to find a power source that's better than oil, better than coal, better than natural gas, that is less harmful. And as of right now, nuclear is the best bet. Maybe we'll find some technology or some better way. Maybe fusion will finally work, or maybe, maybe it will be using microwave systems to pick up solar panel energy from space and beam it back down to Earth. Maybe that will work. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. But I can but I can say safely you, reading um multiple articles from Ronald Bailey at Reason as well as from extremely smart people who study the infrastructure that would be required to run uh solar and wind power. It's just it's almost it's beyond viable right now. Like it's just not possible. 
in small cases it works, but when you start adding in the full system, of, when you realize how big such a project is and how much uh, energy you're pulling out of the grid and how much you have to replace, and you have to replace this with distribution. Could you make enough solar panels in the Mojave Desert of the United States to power the United States? Yeah, you probably could. You'd have to cover a lot of the Mojave Desert. You'd have to build tons of power plants. And then you'd have to run hundreds of thousands of miles of new electrical line and new systems that will properly manage the line and build storage facilities around the country to store that power so that when you have that 8 to 16 hours of night, which will fluctuate throughout the year because it's not sunny all day long, it's not sunny for 24 hours a day, that you will have to provide power when the sun goes down. Now you can supplement that a little bit with wind, but again, it's not blowing in all the places the same amount. In some areas of the country, the United States, and much like Canada, there's going to be a lot of wind at certain periods of time. And at the same period of time where you have a lot of wind, let's say in southern Alberta, you might have next to zero wind in all of Ontario. And Ontario decides to have a cloudy day, a cloudy, rainy day all over the province of Ontario. So all their solar is down because they're not yet is receiving maybe 10 to 20% of power it actually could be. And there's no wind. And the only wind is in Alberta. And there's not enough hydroelectric to power it. So what happens then? People are going to either go to co- are either going to find a system that heats them by fire, so oil, coal, natural gas, burning wood. But that's going to give them heat and some light. But it's not going to get them electricity. It's not going to keep their cell phones going. It's not going to keep their tablets charged. It's not going to keep the internet running. You're going to need a source of consistent power. And eventually, those people, after experiencing that, will go back to either oil or coal or natural gas, depending on availability and ease of access to the marketplace of that, or they're going to find a new source. And I think that, frankly, the only viable source in the long run is going to be nuclear power. Nuclear power is the only way that the electric car really works, too. Besides from uh, charging your car... Um, unless unless uh, we become a nocturnal species, then you sort of have an argument for the electric car. Because if we're a nocturnal species where we're not driving our cars during the day, we're driving them at night, and we're charging them during the day, there, we're actually not wasting electricity too much on our electric cars because we're charging them when the daylight's out, which is the most optimum time for solar panel. But we're, it's hard to make all of us nocturnal, plus our bodies will make weird evolutionary changes if we do become nocturnal. And I'm just talking about this because I'm noticing this pathway. And again, I've really run off the deep end here, but it's how we're trying to solve these problems in the world. And we keep... One side has this, no, let's not change. And the other side is, let's change, but only this way. What we really need to do is get every, get as many people to the table as possible and say, okay, everybody come up with something, and let's talk this over. And maybe, maybe we'll find the solution. We may not all agree on it. Like, I can understand why. Some people don't like the idea of nuclear energy. Some of them are misinformed. Some of them are completely informed correctly, and they just don't like the idea of nuclear waste. 
Maybe it's maybe they don't like science. Maybe they don't like progress. I don't know. I'm not in the heads of those people. All I know is I want Alberta to be better tomorrow than it is today. And I don't just mean that in an economic way. I mean I want people having a better time here. So it, it's it, you know I'm let's 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 start to step off my uh, my soapbox here about politics and say say this. I don't like the swinging. I hope this doesn't continue. I hope that we actually become more rational instead of irrational. Run to the other side. These guys failed. Let's run over. For let's find the next. Uh, let's find the exact opposite and go for them. Let's re- completely rechange the system. Well, sometimes the the problem is is that we didn't change the system. We just changed the players in the in the game. That's how I feel about the last election is is uh in in the 2015 election that um brought the brought Rachel Notley and her NDP in, people are like oh this is gonna change the system I don't think it did. All we did was just played the all we did was we just changed the characters, we just changed the NPCs, and the player character. Like in game talk. We kept the same framework. We only just changed the. We just changed the characters, skins, and maybe a little, maybe changed their motivation one line. It wasn't that big of a shift in the long run. Now, for economic reasons, that one thing did seem big to everybody. But we still had a government. We still had a police force. We still had a healthcare system. Besides, from one side being a little dislikeful of the oil energy sector, and the other side liking it, but the other side gave, uh, you know, the NDP gave a lot of more to the union, to the, the government unions, and defended the unionization process in Alberta. The UCP is going to give their economic uh, intensity to the oil industry. They're not going to support the unions. So it brings in this weird mix of how things just shift, really. And they shift sometimes violently. But a good portion doesn't really change that much. Or at least when we think it's shifting our government, we think we're going to change the entire framework out. No, no, no. We're not doing too much of that. So then it becomes the stupid thing of picking the lesser of two evils. Who can I adapt more into my frame than the other? It's like, who's more adaptable into my frame of how I look at things? And I feel like that's a big cop-out. But again, only time will tell what happens here. Like, let's let's end this. Only time will tell if Jason Kenney and his United Conservative Party can actually deliver on their economic promises and will be much different than the uh, NDP and their economic pathway that they went to. Now, I hope that what that means is that we're going to have a better economy in Alberta, we're going to come out of this recession, and that civil rights are going to be untouched. And that we're not going to, people will not be ostracized because they're gay. And that there's not this uh, increase of sexual harassment against women and all that. And if religious minorities aren't going to be targeted out. And there's not going to be this weird influx of like these so called extreme right wingers who are going to do bad things. I don't want that, that insane prophecy that the NDP pumped out to be that way. But I also don't want the UCP prophecy about uh, the NDP people and all that, which I'm unfortunately I've seen a little tiny bit of. Again, this bigotry blaming, blah, blah, blah. Just, just... Remember that the people who voted opposite, like voted a different viewpoint than you, are still people. 
and we're losing that. And that's why our elections are becoming more divisive and more violent, angry and, and heated. Because we don't look at each other as people. We view each other as opponents. Commonality is what really keeps us from killing each other. Psychopaths don't fit into the system, which is why they commit acts of violence. Because they don't see how they fit in. They are so insanely different that they can't, like they can't, uh, you know, manipulate themselves to be inside it. They can't break their themselves into the system, into our stories, into our um, uniquely shaped world. And maybe, maybe our entire world is actually psychopaths, and the crazies who are killing people might actually be the sane ones, which is a terrifying thing to think about. And you really hope not, because. You know, the government who had a ton of crazies in the 20th century was the biggest killer of mankind in that time period. Estimated 100 million people died in the 20th century by, and were put to death by their own governments. Terrifying. Terrifying. So let's, let's uh, end that and say, be skeptical of the government. Even if you've, uh, even if in the next election your side wins, hold their feet to the fire. But don't create a them. Don't make it an us versus them, because that makes it way easier to uh, dehumanize and decompartmentalize. Think of them all as individuals. They all have their own idiosyncrasies. They all have their own nuances. They all have their own reasons for being one, one way or another. And even if they say they're only voting because of one issue, really strike them on that and say, is that true? Because that can't be. You can't literally only be voting one way for one thing. And if you are, maybe you should look at why you're voting that way. Maybe you should educate yourself on why you're voting that way. Don't try to convince me of how you're voting. If you've only picked one little tiny topic and that's the entire thing of why you're voting that way. All right, let's step off that soapbox. Uh, Let's come down and... Let's talk about some other things. Let's get out of the political thing. Sorry, again, a long time talking about politics, but I just I felt like I had to say that. I felt like I just had to get that off my chest, just about it. So, let's go talk about some nice things. Some nice things that hopefully we can all get happily agree on and just walk around and get stuff that isn't politics. Hopefully. Although, sadly enough, as a political scientist, I can tell you that politics can fit into anything if you try hard enough. And if you are, you're probably not a political scientist. Because political scientists only put, the, put uh, politics in economics and law. We don't try to overinterpret each other's things. It's like, we try to, like, here's how you're writing. This is what you say you want to do. Okay, how does that fit in? Fit in. Like, this is how I want the government to be. Like, okay. Put that in the political sphere. Ah, okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. 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 So I finally watched uh, the Wreck It Ralph sequel. Re- uh, Ralph breaks the internet, and that was su- surprisingly good. Like, a amen, Dizzy. Like that was a really fun movie. I I've watched uh, quite a few movies recently that have just been like just making me laugh and making me chuckle. Um, I think I said that I watched uh, Christopher Robin starring Ewan McGregor recently. Uh, a month and a half ago or so, and that was like when that first appeared on Netflix. And boy, that was that was that was really fun. And uh, Disney's really been hitting it out of the park recently with some of their stuff. Now I haven't seen any of their live action um, movies yet, 
And I, to be honest, I'm not I'm not as enticed by that. But Wreck-It Ralph's made by uh, one of the co-directors is Rich Moore, who was the supervising director on the entire Futurama series. And I like like Rich Moore stuff that he's done has just been really, really, really good. And he's got this consistency about him and this comedy about him that I really liked. And when he did um, Wreck-It Ralph, it was great. Then they went to go do Zootopia, which I thought was a, an amazing movie too. I know people are okay. Let's let's stop there. But there's people with political ideas about Zootopia. I don't care. I thought it was a fun movie. <laughs> I thought it was a really fun movie. And if you look hard enough at the, these movies, there are things that you can take away. Like, oh, look at this. Look at this. I don't like that. But I, I, one of the reasons I liked Zootopia and Wreck It Ralph is, is that they were they were just fun movies. That's what I like about Disney Animation Studios, how they're just making fun movies. You can spend hours extrapolating blah, 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 lessons from it that you want, but I, I, that's where I don't find my energy in. I just want to watch a movie to have fun. Which is why American Made was such a fun movie, which is why Jack Reacher, I like it. There are various movies I like that are just fun. Some are very thought-provoking. Others I couldn't care less about what they teach me. What they say, they're just fun movies to watch. So let's let's keep going on. It's like, A, the jokes were great. Very well written. Tons of internet memes and references that were just hilariously well run ran out. Um, like how eBay would look in the Wreck-It Ralph universe. Uh, how they poked fun at Twitter, BuzzFeed. Like all these, all these amazing, amazing things. Uh, also referencing a lot of internet technology and a lot of stuff. Um... Like, it's one of the most stunning um, internet visualizations I've ever seen. And that's becoming from, like, I knew it was going to be so good because Rich Moore with Futurama did an amazing, um, like, their interpretation of what the internet looked like. And considering that Futurama was designed for a um, teenager and older audience, they could be a bit more visceral on it. But, man, like, Wreck-It Ralph, they did it. I, I think it was even better done because you have the netizens and also the avatars of real humans in the uh, in the internet. You can see how they're acting together, or at least reacting and stuff. Like it's actually quite quite a fun movie, and I I'm, I, I liked it. Um, the only disappointing thing, and this is not about the movie, was that I got a copy of um, its Blu-ray pack at our local Costco here in Alberta, and when I opened it up, we started playing it. And most of the time, like, you know, the odds of getting a scratch disc, extremely low. Put that in, watch the first hour of Wreck-It Ralph, started just glitching, failing, glitching, failing, glitching, failing. Open it up, there is a manufacturer scratch on the disc, like, right in the middle. And a bad one. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Go over to the DVD, because it's a combo pack. I usually buy the DVD combo packs, even though you it's hard to buy just DVD players these days. Side so note, DVD players. So that Samsung isn't making them anymore, but apparently Sony and Panasonic and uh, LG have picked up that. So uh, hopefully that the uh, optical media doesn't completely disappear, because buying a DVD and a Blu-ray still says you own it. You own that. You own that. Until that disc is broken or you have no other means of playing it, you own it. And this is what my fear with streaming platforms uh, like Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Prime Video, and various other systems. This is that you really don't own that. 
you buy the right to observe what they have. Now, some of that stuff, like, you know, Amazon, how they make their proprietary shows and Netflix makes theirs and, um, I don't know, um, there's other services that have proprietary shows out there that they make. That gives you a good baseline of stuff to watch, but sometimes, like, that stuff is, you might only, you might have a big hit or miss, like, okay, I like that one show that they made, but I don't like any of the other styles of this. So that's why I think, like, I'm still a DVD collector, because I don't want to have to go, um, and I think I may have said this. Oh. Um, I think I may have said this last year is that I liked um, Clive Owen and Children of Men and now that was on Amazon for a long period of time it's now on Netflix but for about three months it wasn't on any of them and I had a real itch to watch it so I go on to Amazon.com and uh, .ca actually because I'm in Canada and I buy a DVD copy now I don't have to worry about if the license expires for both of them I have it. I have a physical copy of that movie now. And it disappoints me when that happens because usually when I have an urge to watch, like Netflix and Amazon are very convenient. When I'm up at my computer upstairs in my bedroom and I want to watch a movie, even if I have a physical copy of it downstairs down here, it's easier for me to watch it on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Now when I log into both and find out that they don't have it, that's inconvenient. Now, if I own it, it's just, oh, I go downstairs and get it, get it and put it on my DVD player in my bedroom. But if they don't have it, and it's a movie I have a real itch to watch, and nobody's got it, that sucks. I now have to think of, how am I going to get a copy of it? Is it still, is it in a current print that's easy to get my hands on, or is it like how Disney puts some of their stuff in the vault or, you know, various other things I have to consider. If it's a Disney movie and it's in the vault, like, you know, you can probably get, you can get copies of it for sure, but, you you know, they're not carrying a bunch of them. <clears throat> you'll, I mean, you'll find new copies almost anywhere, but sometimes it's not the version you want or, uh, you know, various things. It's like how... Um, I'll use this example about how Fargo Season 3 only came out on DVD, as far as I know. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray yet. But they released Fargo Season 2 and Season 1 on Blu-ray. Now, Fargo Season 3 is available on Netflix to watch right now, as is the entire series of Fargo. I don't know if the movie's on there. I think it is. But that is disappointing that a TV show that I really liked only got to... only got uh, It's three seasons it's made... Two of them got Blu-ray releases and one got a DVD release. It's just it's disappointing in that, and it means that it's it it's harder to keep track, uh, keep a hold of these things, and it makes it makes uh, makes it more annoying because then it's like, oh, if I want to travel to Phoenix and take movies with me, it's like, well, you know, I either got to do um, rip them to hard drive. Which, you know, they are big. You're talking about 50 gigabytes. So even a terabyte hard drive only gets so many movies in it. Or you're doing various other things to do it. Like, you're figuring out various other solutions. And Netflix and Amazon Prime are a great way of convenience. But if none of them have it, 
Yeah, out of luck. That really sucks. Speaking of Netflix, um, this is more of a, just a thing I I, I noticed, um, and I, I'm actually I'm gonna skip two topics and come back to them very quickly about um, how uh, Google Chrome has uh, has components, uh, and it's like uh, you know you go on and. You can go to Google, uh, um, well, in the search bar, you type Chrome um, colon uh, forward slash forward slash components, and you get to see all these um, micro, uh, like, little processes that are put in on Google Chrome. Anyway, I was watching Netflix for two days on my PC, and then on the third day, I started watching it, and I noticed that on Google Chrome specifically, every three to five seconds it was like halting and starting again. So it was stuttering. The video was studying and being really choppy. So I thought, oh, that's that's weird. Started trying to look to find how the solution is for the first eight pages on Google. The first page on Google had no answers for me. I wasn't really searching that quickly because I wanted to watch it. And I'm like, okay, I'll try this on Opera. Same problem on Opera. Oh, great. So I threw up Edge um, and it worked. But I'm not a big fan of uh, Microsoft's Edge. Not saying it's a bad browser. I just prefer my Google browser better. So finally, uh, a few days later, I'm like, I'm going to search this up. So Friday night comes around. I decide I'm finally going to figure out how this happens. Turns out there is a DRM command and component in Google Chrome called Windvine CDM. And if that thing screws up, it will make Netflix really choppy. So what you have to do, annoying as hell, is not just update it, but delete the version that you have and then re-update it in, uh, in Chrome slash components. The annoying thing is that does not solve itself. And then it goes from one day to the next that it effed up. And I mean, I, as far as I know, since then, I haven't had any problems. On my ground, it's only been two days since I solved it. Friday night, and I have uh, run it a little bit Saturday. Not too bad. But it's kind of annoying when stuff like that happens on one browser and affects another browser, but the third browser, Edge, is perfectly fine. But, you know, again, that's neither here nor there. Now that I know how to fix it, it's not really a problem. It's more of an inconvenience. <sighs> but it made me think that there was something wrong with my PC, which is just annoying. Just annoying. So there's that. And I'll go on to um, watching uh, King Kong Skull Island, uh, which I think was last year, 2018, that movie was. Yeah. Um, with Sam- yeah Samuel Jackson, uh, Brie Larson, um, Tom Middleton, John Goodman, like, and John C. Riley, Like, a pretty good cast. And it was a fun movie. I, I, I watched it. Um, you sort of do need to see the Godzilla, like the new uh, Godzilla movie. Not Shinzo Godzilla, but... Um, not Shino Godzilla, Shinzo or Shino Godzilla, but the one before it about uh, with... Uh, oh, what's her name? Um, I, you know, the, the, the one that had um, Brian Cranston in it, who died a third of the way through the movie, and then... You know, San Francisco gets destroyed by Godzilla and the two Mutos. Like that's a, that's that you kind of need to see that because it sort of explains a part of the reason why John Goodman's character cares so much about going to Skull Island. 
But anyway, so you you go and I go and watch it, and it's like John C. Riley's pretty good. Tom Hiddleston is great as a uh, SAS captain who they hired as a tracker for the island, and a lot of really 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 good um, scenes. But there was a lot of things. Uh, now I hope that they're going to explain this in the expanded universe of what these uh, the Marvel of these. I think it's Universal or Paramount. I forget who owns uh, it. Like, I hope that we see how, um, where this goes. Uh, let me actually look up, um, uh, let me actually look this up. But I want to see where, where they plan to go, because the inhabitants of the island, like, y- you know, it doesn't really explain why they're there. Now, granted, you don't really have to, but you hope, that, like, that there's so much hinting about so many other creatures, like, uh, that that there's just more here, that there's more information to pull out. Oh, it was, two, uh, it was 2017? Jeez, that's a long time. Are we really waiting at, like a full two years after initial release to get it on to... Um, get it on, on to freaking... Yeah. But it, 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 it was a good movie. I mean, it had... Um, it had some very, very, very good um, cinematics. <sighs> oh, yeah, so it's a legendary monster verse. So, who else is in the monster verse? Because we got King Kong, uh, Godzilla, King of Monsters, which is supposed to be that. Which will have Rodon, Mothra, and uh, King Ghidorah. Ghidorah, I think. Gaidra? Gaidra, maybe. Um, okay. So that's supposed to be coming out uh, some... Oh, that's supposed to be coming out very shortly. Um, Only a few... Only like a month away. Jeez. And then Godzilla vs. King Kong. Okay. Um, so, so that was... um. Oh, really? Oh, those two will appear, and that's that's good. So we do have some good actors coming back. Um, but uh, how I would say is, is like there wasn't too much. Um, how how do I describe it? It just didn't feel like it fully did a lot. Like it felt like a weaker movie that should have been. Like I was skipping through parts of it just because, like, oh, here's here's uh, stuff. I I almost didn't care about the U the U S Army cal the Air Cavalry guys as much as Sam Jackson was because they just had such a flat character after they first impacted with with Kong. It's like we have to kill this thing. There was no question to do it. Now, granted, they had no other intel, but it just it was interesting how how Tom Hiddleston's character and Brie Larson, the photographer and journalist were so much more into learning what was going on the island and actually tried to figure stuff out versus Sam Jackson and his guy, Samuel Jackson's character and the, the soldiers he was with was just like, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And, and you can see it like some of it does make sense from coming out of a warrior from Vietnam and and the time period. But it just, it, it, it you know, there's things there that I, I, I thought weren't really well fleshed out 
and could have been and could have made the movie a little bit better. I don't know how they would have been fleshed out, but they, like John Goodman's uh, character's reason for it is sort of explained in a good way about like how he was part of the USS Lawton that was destroyed by by Godzilla in the during World War II, and uh, you know for the castle that led to the Castle Bravo tests. And the nuclear tests in the Pacific to kill Godzilla, which didn't really work, as the Godzilla movie shows. Um, yeah, so Godzilla was from twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen, which I liked. I liked that movie, and I like. I've never been a big fan of King Kong. Just you know, a, a giant ape doesn't really do anything for me. But I get it. I get. I get it. Um, it was let's get the licensing and let's put King Kong versus Godzilla, which is what the, what the movie in twenty twenty supposed to be. But it, it was one of those movies where like um, the Godzilla remake, uh, the Western Godzilla remake, felt like the monster was the reason for the movie, and like the monster and all the human characters were background. And this one was the opposite, where like King Kong's there. He's on this island. Monarch is going to figure out why he's there, but it really feels like they they pick the wrong characters. And if they were going to pick a character like a character story to fully flesh flesh out, it would have been Tom Hiddleston's team's characters. Like screw the the Samuel Jackson guys. Like just have them be cameos and pop ins. But that's just me. I felt like this, if this had been a miniseries, like, you know, a 10-episode miniseries, it could have been a lot better. Versus the Godzilla movie, which I felt like it was, like, the the startup of it was so well um, done, and the time skip was perfectly well explained, that it didn't really feel bad. Like, it, it really explained what was going on by doing such good visual work with that. And King Kong just felt like it felt so linear in how they were telling it that they were scared to, that they were too scared to um, really explain a story about why these people are here. It's like, why is King Kong here? Here's the reason why. Why are these things killing it? We don't know. Why are these humans who live on the island like perfectly the way they are? And why? What? Like, who are they? Uh, doesn't really say. Okay, and I felt like there were stuff that they could have taken advantage of. Like I thought, the the people of the island at one point, when talking to John C. Riley, like how they didn't actually talk, how they they did these very minimal gestures, and how he was able to interpret so much. I thought, like, are they going to make a psychic joke here? Because if these people are connected to like Mothra or something like that, that would be a great, that would be a, an absolutely amazing thing to do. Because we've got giant parasites, we've got Godzilla, we've got King Kong, we've got these, um, these, like, uh, lizard-like creatures with, uh, two, with only two legs that f- run around that look like, sort of like Mudos, but aren't. Like, we've got these things and they're just weird and they're interesting and, no, no, let's just, they're, they're, they're there. We're not going to explain how they are there. Versus Godzilla, which is like, oh, he's an a- ancient super dinosaur. Who lives on radiation? Like they they actually explained Godzilla sort of in, in Godzilla. They didn't explain King Kong. How did he? How did he as a Titan become? Now hopefully they explained some of that. But it just it felt like we need the licensing first. 
here's this cool we can do it in the the post vietnam era like very quickly after vietnam so we can get historic history on it i just felt it felt like it was actually um also uh the fighting scenes are all from early on in the trailer like i'll very little is uh from the trailers actually are in later in the movie like most of the trailer stuff is all the initial contact with king king kong there's some stuff that happened later but you know it's not i don't know if it's done as well as it could be but it just felt um not saying it was a bad movie at all it just felt like there was story there's so many threads that were put in like so many threads the story uh that were there that had a story to them they were pretty much just like here's a story and we're not going to touch it uh it just it, it felt sad that how they did that and maybe it was they would need a rush to get the licensing or maybe legendary didn't know what they actually wanted to do with it i don't know I wasn't part of the legendary thing. I'm just a viewer, and the first time I'm watching it is two years after it came out. Mountain Theaters. And it's okay. It's not a great... It's not the best movie. Um, I tell you, though, uh, I will say this. The star power is why that movie works. Because if Samuel Jackson wasn't the character he is, and if, in fact, if it wasn't him, it was some, like... If they didn't have those characters so well done and acted so well, it would have been boring. Like, John McGoodman's character couldn't have been played by anybody but John Goodman, now that I see it. Sam Jackson, again, the same thing. His character couldn't be played by anybody but him. Denzel wouldn't have had the same energy and the same ferocity of that character. Tom Hiddleston um, is the right age. There's not a lot of good uh, actor British actors who would have been able to play a SAS captain in that time period who would have been that way. You know an actor is good, or an actor and actress is good, when you can trade them out for somebody. And, you know, Brie Larson was actually pretty good in it. Um, if anything, considering how she was, she was probably one of the, like, her and Tom Hiddleston were the main reason to keep watching that movie. It was because she's a true outsider in this, uh, as like a war journalist who's looking for a scoop about why they're going to this island. She's the one who's the most open-minded about anything that's going on. I mean, she's the most anti-war, but she's the most open-minded. There's some great quips, but that was, that was my thing. I, now I actually do want to see her in Captain Marvel, because I, 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 I have not seen Captain Marvel, and not that I didn't want to go see it, but it's just like, it's like, she's a good actor. She's very good at that, so I'm, hey, more power to you, <laughs> Brie Larson. All right, so that's it about media, uh, sort of. So let's go talk about what a crazy week April 15th is, both this year and historically. So this year, what do we have? Notre Dame on fire, Monday, April 15th, 2019. Uh, the catastrophic damage to the Notre Dame Cathedral. It's burning of the roof and the falling of the spire. Uh, thankfully, m the vast majority of artifacts were saved, including the crown of thorns, um, which, side note, I, I don't think those are the orig original thorns. How many people think they are the original? Like, I, I don't know. Just inkling the back of my head makes me think like this is too much of an idol-like thing. Like The thorns are the idol versus what they mean in Christendom. Uh, but man, like, you know, 
holy crap is like this week the April the week of April 15th is a pretty bad week in history I mean April 15th Abraham Lincoln was killed April 15th the Titanic sunk Columbine Columbine shooting happened April 20th five days after April 15th Hitler's birthday April 15th I mean April 20th but just because somebody was born on that day doesn't mean they were a bad person because a lot of hippies and marijuana used to celebrate 420 as like time of day to smoke marijuana, which I I don't know why that is. I make jokes about it. <laughs> um, from high school on, we after watching Days of Confused, we, me and my friends were always doing a 420 joke about like 420 is going to be a gaming day if it's on a Saturday. Didn't really hold up after we got out of high school, but you know life takes you a different direction. Uh. <laughs> So there's that. I mean, maybe. Uh, oh yeah, there's that woman who was obsessed with column, the Columbine shooting, who, who Florida woman flew to Colorado, bought a firearm, and then committed suicide after a manhunt for her. They were scared she was going to reenact or do something similar. And how fucked up is that? Somebody would think about doing that. You know, the crazy thing is, so Columbine shooting happened on um, on April twentieth. I think it was April 17th that was the Virginia Tech shooting, which is just terrible. Uh, Deepwater Horizon and the Boston Marathon bombings both happened in this week in history. Now, it seems like because because uh, uh, the Florida uh, one of the newspapers, um, I forget which one it was like the Florida Times something like that. Florida Today have that like you know how many tragedies happen happen on the week around around April 15th. That's interesting. We pick that up, but it's also because. Of the only reason we care and we notice that is because we see that that's happened. Um, and by what I mean by that is, I want to be very, very, very uh, careful about how I say this. The only reason we know about um, why the April fifteenth week seems to be bad is because we have concentrated on these three disasters that have happened. His, these disasters that have happened historically: the Notre Dame fire, for one. And then this Columbine shooting uh, imitator who killed herself. Well, at least that's what it looks like. Um, the only reasons those attach is because we start searching for patterns. Does it mean that April 15th, the week of April 15th, is actually terrible throughout history? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened in the last two decades on April 15th that are pretty crazy. Uh, last two, let's, let's, let's extend to the last three decades. Waco, Oklahoma City, like, you know, some pretty crazy shit that have happened on April 5th, around April 15th, since the 90s. But doesn't that mean that, that that's, that's the only bad week of the year? Hell no. If a lot of these disasters were happening in any other week of the year, we would start looking for commonality and, and patterns that have happened in the past, too. I just think it's funny that that was a... Uh, that was a very, very. Um, I just, I just thought it was really funny that they did that, and by funny I mean it's like it's just funny that they would search out things that have happened in history, and so happens in weeks in history all throughout the year. Like this week in history, sort of like you know, there's YouTube shows and podcasts about that. But if we were all really want to look at like how terrible things can be. The time periods, uh, like almost every week, would be bad based on just how long World War One and World War Two lasted, from 1939 to 1945. Uh, there was something bad happening almost every freaking week. 
And same from 1914 to 1918, 1919, practically. Shit was going on throughout the world. It's just we 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 get to. It's just that we we pick and choose how we look at things, and we look for, like, we throw aside. Um, how how to say this? <sighs> okay. The reason we throw aside like time periods like wars uh, over this interesting thing is because wars are, are all terrible. But we can't like it's this cherry picking of events. It's really interesting. Like, well, how many how many weeks in written history? Uh, how many uh, years in written history has nothing bad actually happened between April thirteenth and April twentieth? There's probably a lot that haven't had a very significant time, very significant bad things happen, and probably a lot of good things happened on these this uh, this time scale from the thirteenth to the twentieth. But but bad news sells better than good news, doesn't it? Anyway, uh, let's let's cl- let's start to close this up. Uh, you know, I checked my email. Nobody sent anything, so no comments, no snarkbacks, no questions. Fair enough. It's only been up there for a, for two weeks, so probably, and not a lot of people are listening to this. Let's be honest. So there's not really much more to talk about. Anyway, that was. Uh, you know, it's gotten late. Uh, Devil, the Devil Lettuce plays the Dreamcast on April twentieth. This is the four twenty episode of two thousand nineteen. We will do another one in two thousand twenty because, again, my jokes about <coughs> the marijuana use and me not doing it, but me liking to play video games on four twenty is a big thing. Although this year I didn't play video games on four twenty. I watched a lot of funny movies. I watched and I went to work. Hopefully next year is a little different. Let's see. Let's actually see where 420 will be in 2019. Probably not too much different. Oh, it's a Monday next year. Start of the week for you, lads. That's not going to be fun. Although, if 420 falls on uh, you know Easter Monday, probably won't, knowing my luck. But hey... Anyway, so yeah, it's also, of course, the week of Easter. Good Friday was yesterday on April 19th, and Easter Sunday is tomorrow, for those of us who's Christian, that's a pretty interesting time. That's, like, uh, I don't know, like, why the time of Easter was explicitly set. Um, But it's probably based on moon, it's based on moon cycles, I know that much, I'm not that informed, but for those who are Christian, it's important. Of course, it's also the Passover time period for um, the Jewish folks. You get two days off sometimes. It would be nice to have a three-day weekend in April that you can relax on. I've just not been that lucky this year. Anyway, still looking into buying some uh, more AV equipment to make this capable of live streaming and videoing this stuff and getting more people on, but... You know, when you're working two jobs and trying to do this for fun at the same time, things really do take take a different priority. And now that I'm thinking about buying a video capture card for playing video games, it's like, what am I going to put up? But I guess if you're doing this as a hobby and for fun, it's not about making money. It's about, do you enjoy it? And I enjoy this. So... (laughs) 
I hope to get better at it, and yeah, that's all I can really hope for. Anyway, yeah, that's that's it. That's our episode for this uh, April twentieth of two thousand nineteen. Again, the devil let us play the Dreamcast, which is funny because my brother and I were playing Shenmue just two weeks ago, uh, last week actually on uh, on my Dreamcast. And having a bunch of the mods work on the Shenmue for PC, that's actually making it just as enjoyable to play. So finally, that's about it. Anyway, see you guys all. Well, talk to you all soon. Um, Please send emails, questions, blah, blah, blah. I will be trying to read them. I I don't know if I'll respond to them all or write back, stuff like that. I know the email address works because I sent myself a funny one a few days ago. But that's about it. Yeah. Bye.